Today on the Matt Wall Show, a violent mob of trans activists assaulted and harassed a campus speaker last night. They even chased her into a room and held her against her will, otherwise known as kidnapping. This happened on the same day that news breaks of another trans terrorist who had planned attacks on uh, schools and churches in his area. Trans terrorism is uh, becoming a major problem in our country. We need to talk about it. Also, Republicans in the Tennessee legislature voted to expel two Democrats who led an insurrection in the Capitol. It's great to see Republicans actually fighting back for a change. And a new study shows that a rapid rise of ADHD is occurring among adult women in this country. It's also rising in all other uh, age groups. Is that because there's some kind of mysterious mental illness going around, or could there be another explanation? We'll talk about all of that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Roe versus Wade has been overturned, and this battle is now finally leaving D.C. and going to the grassroots. As one of the largest pro-life organizations in the world, no one is in a better position than 40 Days for Life to end abortion in a post-Roe America. With about 1 million volunteers in 1,500 cities, 40 Days for Life holds peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities. Because of that, they actually have a larger presence in blue states, specifically California. Former abortion clinic directors say these vigils can cause the abortion no-show rate to go as high as 75%, which is detrimental to their abortion business. These law-abiding vigils have helped close uh, abortion facilities in San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago, and many other places. They're also leading the way to efforts uh, for efforts to prevent pharmacies from dispensing chemical abortions. And you can join their crucial work, support their work, and uh, check out their locations and podcasts and a free magazine at 40daysforlife.com. The, the fight for life is certainly not over. In fact, it's never been more important. So you got to get involved. We all do. For more information on 40 Days for Life, go to 40daysforlife.com. It is uh, sometimes said by some on the right that the fight to protect women's sports and to defend the privacy and safety of women in their locker rooms and bathrooms must be fought primarily by the women themselves or only by the women themselves. You know, if they're not going to defend their own spaces, then there's nothing the rest of us can do. The logic goes. But I've always felt that this line of thinking is a pathetic cop-out. I mean, it's something said by people who are trying to excuse their own inaction. It's the rationalization of cowards. Yes, women need to speak up. Yes, it's true that not enough of them are. But it's not the primary responsibility of young women uh, in college and, and high school girls to beat back the march of gender ideology. Okay, that cannot fall on them to do. We can't leave them alone on the front lines because this is what happens when we do that. Postmillennial reports, quote, on Thursday night, swimmer and women's sports advocate Riley Gaines was assaulted by radical trans activists during a Turning Point USA event at San Francisco State University. After allegedly being physically assaulted by a protester while she was escorted to a safe room, protesters followed Gaines and continued to harass her. Quote, the prisoners are running the asylum at uh, SFSU, Gaines wrote on Twitter, along with footage of the incident. This is proof that women need sex-protected spaces. Still only further assures me I'm doing something right when they want you silent, speak louder. I'm okay currently, but an hour and a half later, I'm still barricaded in a room with ambushers on the outside yelling and threatening violence, Gaines told the Post Millennial. As police escorted me out of the event space to my current location, I was hit physically twice by what I presume was a male individual. This only assures me I'm doing the right thing. Indeed, it should. You know, you can't ask for a more profound uh, confirmation of the righteousness of your cause than to be chased off of a college campus by a crazed pack of screaming leftist zombies. That's exactly what happened to Riley Gaines. Footage captured amid the chaos shows Riley running down the hallway while being chased by this violent, screeching mob. Watch. Watch. 
Now, this is what uh, Riley gets for taking the provocative position that men are not women and shouldn't be allowed to disrobe in front of women in their locker rooms or compete against them in their sports leagues. Okay, so if you're a woman and you say, no, I don't want to be, I don't want a man uh, disrobing in front of me, this is how you'll be treated. She's defending logic and human decency in its most basic form. And for that, these people want to kill her. This is what any young woman who speaks up will face. Is it any wonder why so many choose to stay silent? Like there just there aren't that many people who are willing to potentially uh, deal with something like that. And that's men, women. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter what age you are. Most people are not willing to put themselves in that position. In fact, most of the people who say, "Well, it's up to the women to stand up," I, I'm not gonna. Most of the people saying that would never put themselves in that position. They don't have the guts to do it. Riley's ordeal wasn't over. The mob stayed outside the room, refusing to let her leave. The the, uh, student newspaper, the Golden Gate Express, captured video of the mob discussing what to do next. And this, again, is why Riley, while Riley is barricaded inside of a room, and they're outside the room, and listen to what they're saying. Make her lose her flight. And move move forward, okay? Tell her to pay us. Tell her to pay us and then she can go. Ten bucks each. Because you probably got paid for this so we could get paid for it too. On a public campus that we appease. Make her pay us, he said. So they are holding a young woman against her will and demanding payment. Okay? That's not just unlawful detainment. That's straight-up kidnapping, legally speaking. That, that's, that's a felony. You, you actually are not allowed to do that according to the law. I don't know if you knew that, but you can't gang up as a mob and keep somebody barricaded in a room um, with, with the implicit or direct threat of violence. Riley should pursue criminal charges against every student in that hallway, every single one. Every single one should be expelled and arrested. Anyone who happened to be standing in that hallway and was on the side of the, of the mob, all of them should have their lives destroyed. That's where we are, okay? That's what we should be advocating for. All of the students in the hallway should have their lives destroyed because of this. This doesn't stop until that becomes the consequence. She needs to sue the school as well. And I, I, I would be happy, and I've already had said this on, on Twitter, I'd be happy to, to give her money to help fund that effort because the school needs to, be, needs to be sued also. They allowed this to happen. They put her in this position. Those students were outside of the hallway for apparently over an hour or more. They weren't escorted out. What the hell are the police doing? What are campus security? What's anyone doing? They're allowing them to, to stand there. You've got a mob of people who, are, who just chased this woman into a room and are refusing to let her leave. And the cops are just standing around like, oh, well, what are we going to do about it? So I'll help in any way I can. Um, everyone responsible needs to pay for this. And they need to pay dearly for it. As it happens, this attack occurred only a few hours after news first dropped 
of another potential trans-terrorism attack that was thwarted by police at the last minute. The Daily Wire reports, quote, Law enforcement officials in Colorado have arrested a transgender individual with a communist manifesto for allegedly planning mass shootings at schools and churches in the area. News of the arrest was made public on Thursday afternoon, but the arrest happened on March 31st, just a few days after a transgender terrorist massacred six people, including three children, at a private Christian school in Nashville. The individual, who the Daily Wire is not naming due to company policy about not giving notoriety to mass killers or those who allegedly aspire to commit such atrocities, is a biological male who goes by a different uh, female name and uses she, her pronouns. The 19-year-old was charged with criminal attempt to commit murder in the first degree, two counts, criminal mischief, menacing, and interference with staff, faculty, or students of educational institutions. The suspect allegedly targeted Timberview Middle School, Prairie Hills Elementary, Pine Creek High School, and other targets were churches, KRDO reported. A family member turned the suspect into police, telling 911 that they had threatened to shoot up uh, schools and had severe anger issues. A spokesperson for the 18th Judicial District Attorney's Office told local media that the suspect was in the process of transitioning. Police said the home had trash piled up all around the house to where it made it hard to walk, and that there were numerous containers filled with half-eaten food with mold growing inside and numerous alcoholic beverage containers laying around the house. The suspect also allegedly punched holes in the wall inside the house and ripped the door off the hinges. Okay, so this was a severely disturbed person um, living in filth and squalor, prone to violent rage. Yet his doctors, despite the fact that he's a general mess of a human being and obviously deeply troubled, still apparently took his gender identity, quote unquote, seriously, which is how he was able to begin his transition. Yes, everything else about this guy is bizarre and disordered. But when he says he's really a woman, well, now that is obviously a lucid and sober insight into his own true nature. But once again, a gender transition, which is supposed to make somebody happy and fulfilled and, um, and just make their lives better, utterly failed. Rather than being happy and fulfilled, he was homicidal. Fortunately, this trans terrorist was foiled before he could carry out his plans, unlike the one here in Nashville. But we're still left with two planned trans-terrorism attacks, one prevented, one not, in the span of two weeks, two of them. And in between the Covenant attack and the news of this other attempted massacre, we've seen trans mobs storm state capitol buildings, assault peaceful counter-protesters, uh, topped off by a violent mob accosting a, a campus speaker and holding her hostage. And this is the trans violence that we've seen in just two weeks, all while the government, at the highest level, does everything it can to pour gasoline on the fire. Here's the latest with that. This has been one of the worst weeks for, of 2023 so far in terms of anti-LGBTQ bills becoming law in states across America. According to the Human Rights Campaign, more than 50% of transgender youth in the U.S., which is estimated to be more than 150,000 kids, live in states in which transgender youth have lost access to or at risk of losing access to gender-affirming care. Look, this is awful news. Let's be very clear about that. LGBTQI plus kids are resilient. They are fierce. They fight back. They're not going anywhere. And we have their back. This administration has their back. We are so proud of the kids across this country who have organized protests and school walkouts to tell the politicians in their states to stop this legislative bullying. Hmm. They got to keep fighting. 
This is also a, you know, it's a really, really hard, it's been a hard couple of weeks for trans people. I mean, you know, you got trans people assaulting and killing people, but it's a really hard week for them. Now, these, these, uh, the White House and the Democrats, they know what they're doing. They know what they're encouraging. Democrats look at what happened to Riley last night, and their only regret is that she made it out alive. They wish that she was dead. And that's what we have to understand. The left knows that it cannot intellectually defend its position on this topic, not because, not because they're too stupid to defend it. I mean, many of them are stupid, but, but because it's impossible to defend. The whole ideology is nothing but unintelligible gibberish, and they know that. And they see what happens when anybody on their side attempts to defend it. I mean, they see, for example, what happened to the people who tried to challenge me at New Mexico State University this week. And, and they see how embarrassing it is for them, and they become all the more enraged and humiliated. And so they're left with a choice, right? They can surrender the issue. They can admit they were wrong. They can admit that this is all nonsense. Or they can push their agenda through by other means. Those are really their only options. Give up on trans ideology completely. You can do that. Or you can assault, harass, intimidate, and kill your opponents. We know which one they'll choose and have chosen. Trans activists, they want us dead. They believe they have the moral right to kill us. The only thing that could stop them from doing it is fear of punishment. But the system is on their side, egging them on. And if none of the students who assaulted and kidnapped Riley Gaines are held accountable, that will be the final confirmation that they need, that they can do whatever they want, up to and including the commission of violent felonies all captured on film. From there, all bets are off. Which brings me back to what I said at the top. We cannot leave it to a small collection of very brave young women to fight this out. This is a fight that involves all of us. And men, in my view, should be on the front lines, just as men should be on the front lines of any battle. If we leave the opponents of this ideology alone and isolated, they will be easy targets. So we all need to stand up. None of us belong on the sidelines. We're all called to the fight. Now let's get to our five headlines. Why does uh, great skincare and looking younger have to be only for the ladies? I'm here to tell you it's not, thanks to GenuCell Skincare. Are you like me and still struggle with those frown lines? Or how about those under eye bags and dark circles from getting up early to sit at a computer all day? I'm just being relentlessly insulted right now by this ad copy. Luckily for you, if you're a hideous beast like me, for the first time ever, GenuCell's including both the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector in their most popular package at GenuCell.com slash Walsh. GenuCell's Ultra Retinol contains a uh, powerful retinol alternative that is safe for your skin. Their Dark Spot Corrector will help reduce sunspots. Plus, you'll still get GenuCell's world-class under-eye bags therapy to help alleviate puffiness. GenuCell promises immediate effects, and you'll see results in 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Have you ever met a person that just naturally looks tired all the time? Well, I have, and that's my broadcast engineer, Jeff. He walks around the office looking like a, a zombie most of the time, given that's uh, probably due to the fact that he's always here. But still, that appearance is just unacceptable in my presence. I can't even look at him. Only one of us is allowed to be puffy and ugly, and that's me. So that's why I forced Jeff to try GenuCell. I said... Put the lotion on your skin or you'll be fired, is what I said to him. Now, while Jeff is uh, still tired, his skin tone is smooth and even his skin is less puffy, which is what's important anyway. 
Don't walk around looking like a zombie. Visit GenuCell.com slash Walsh to save over 70% off their most popular package. Every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials just in time for warmer weather and free shipping. Go to GenuCell.com slash Walsh. GenuCell.com slash Walsh. Speaking of uh, campuses, by the way, in a couple of weeks, I'll be speaking at the University of Iowa. And um, leftists on campus, very upset, yada, yada, familiar story. Um, but actually, there's some, some personal news that uh, has come out of, of the, this, uh, this planned event. And I, I, didn't, I didn't want this to be the way that all of you find out. You know, I wish, I wish this is not how I planned it. But I have been outed by uh, the Gazette newspaper in Cedar Rapids. They ran an article about the controversy. And, uh, and here's the headline. The headline is, University of Iowa to host conservative transgender commentator Matt Walsh. That's the headline. Conservative transgender commentator Matt Walsh. So um, there it is. Now you know. And I think the, the funny thing is that uh, I can assume they meant transgender commentator in the sense that I commentate on transgenderism. It's like, it's like if you say a football commentator is someone who commentates on football. Um, but they phrased it this way because I can assume they thought that I'd be embarrassed or annoyed. It'd be a way of like, it's like a little subtle, not so subtle dig at me. But um, if they thought it would have that effect, that, that only shows that they, they really don't know me at all because this is, this is fantastic. So I'm transgender commentator. That means I'm above criticism. Okay, I've got I've got all the victim points I need, and I'm now I'm just waiting for all the endorsement deals to roll in. Okay, where's my Bud Light can? This is uh this is my day one of womanhood apparently. So I, I guess you know for for uh, Dylan Mulvaney it took you know it took him a couple of weeks before before the endorsements really started coming in, but. Uh, I've got dollar signs in the eyes now. It's um, this is this is great news. Also means that when I go to uh, University of Iowa to give my speech, anyone that comes in protest that that it now becomes transphobia, which which honestly it already would have been because even after I was dubbed transgender commentator, uh, I was already, as you know, the world's leading, foremost, most respected and celebrated LGBTQ plus children's author. So now, now I'm adding transgender commentator to it. It's just, it's gay erasure, homophobia, and transphobia to protest me now. All right. Um, here's some more good news. Reading now from Breitbart. It says, the Tennessee House of Representatives expelled two Democrat members on Thursday, days after those members allegedly broke House rules via their participation in gun control protests. Breitbart News reported that three Democrat representatives were considered for expulsion. Those were representatives... Uh, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson. Of the three, only Johnson was spared expulsion. And Johnson apparently was spared expulsion um, by, from what I understand, one vote. So Gloria Johnson was was spared. from From what I read, one Republican didn't go along with it, all the rest. Uh, But Representative Justin Jones was the first House member to be expelled Thursday, and Representative Pearson was the second. Uh, Days ago, on April 3rd, Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton explained that the votes were not about peaceful protests. Rather, he suggested the actions allegedly undertaken by Jones, Johnson, and Pearson broke several rules of decorum and procedure on the House floor. The Tennesseean reported that Johnson, Jones, and Pearson allegedly used a bullhorn 
as they led protesters in the galleries and several chants calling for uh, gun reform. Now, this Breitbart article uh, keeps calling it a protest. It was not a protest. It was, by the left's own definition and by their rules, it was, a, it was an insurrection. By their standards, it was an insurrection. So being expelled from the House is, should be the least of their concerns. The next thing that should happen is that these people should be thrown into a prison cell for at least three or four years. Because by the left's definition, it was an insurrection. They led a mob into the Capitol building. They were using bullhorns on the House floor. Uh, They led demonstrations on the House floor. This was an insurrection by the left's own standards. But even even without the left's standards on this, right, um, it's also a violation of the rules of the State House. The Tennessee Constitution gives the House the power to expel members for disorderly behavior. They have that constitutional authority to do so. And this certainly qualifies, okay? If this is not disorderly behavior, leading a mob into the Capitol building with bullhorns, I mean, if that doesn't qualify as disorderly and disruptive behavior, then what the hell possibly could? So the, the, the double standard of hypocrisy with the way that January 6th was handled, that's, that's good enough reason to expel these people and hold them accountable. But without that, we still have the Tennessee Constitution, which gives uh, the, the authority to uh, enact these kinds of penalties. They violated the rules. They behaved disgracefully and disruptively. They tried to turn a legislative session. Um, at best, they tried to turn it into a personal political demonstration for their own benefit. Um, it, you know, that's at best. At worst, again, insurrection. They were trying to overthrow democracy. And now their uh, butts are kicked to the curb because of it. And I say good riddance and, um, and great job to the Republicans. Of course, the media and the left, the Democrats, I repeat myself, are uh, treating these people as martyrs. Um, and there's many examples. I mean, every prominent Democrat, Barack Obama came out and all, all the, the White House and AOC, they all issued statements saying this is a dark day. It's a dark day in our democracy. And, uh, and, and as we've seen, a dark day in our democracy is when anything at all happens that Democrats don't like. Anything that happens that they don't like, it is a dark day in our democracy, potentially the worst day, 9-11 all over again. And uh, and they didn't like this. They didn't like it because the rules were actually being applied to them. They were being held to account for a change. It almost never happens. And these Democrats in the Tennessee legislature, they assumed, right? And, and, and you can't blame them for assuming. They assumed that they could do this and get away with it because they're Democrats and they can do whatever they want. Um. Now they're making, trying to make themselves into martyrs. The legislators themselves, former legislators, I should say, certainly see themselves as martyrs. Here's a former Representative Pearson on the, uh, the House floor. Friday, the government decided that my Savior Jesus, a man that was innocent of all crimes except fighting for the poor, fighting for the marginalized, fighting for the LGBTQ community, fighting for those who are single mothers, fighting for those who are ostracized, fighting for those pushed to the periphery. My, my savior, my black Jesus, he was lynched by the government on Friday. And they thought that all hope had been lost. All the, 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 the outside, it rained and it thundered and, and everybody said everything was over and it was some black women who stood at the cross. It was some black women who watched what the government did to that boy named Jesus. 
They were witnesses as you have been witnesses to what is happening in the anti-democratic state of Tennessee. They were witnesses to what was going on. And I got to tell you, it got quiet on Saturday. Yes, I tell you, it was a sad day on Saturday. All hope seemed to be lost. Representatives were thrown out of the state house. Democracy seemed to be at its end. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But all that was good news for us. I don't know how long this... Yeah, turn that off. Turn this guy, I mean, he literally thinks he's Martin Luther King Jr. He's comparing himself to Jesus. He's, he's, he is Jesus Christ. We, we didn't get to the end. Was he about to... So Because so, Jesus resurrected on the third day. Uh, so I guess he was... So we can expect uh, his, Pearson's resurrection as well. He's going to be resurrected. Comparing himself to Jesus because he led a mob into the, uh, into the Capitol building, which violates every possible rule of behavior and decorum, and he's being punished for it. I'm just like Jesus. These people are such clowns, okay? And... Um, and that's how they should be treated. Just laugh at these clowns. And what, what I appreciate with what the Republicans did here, holding them to their own standards, or to, to any, just, you know what, holding them to any standard at all. Like there's actually a standard of behavior we're going to hold you people to. And you can cry about it. You can say it's racism. Shut the hell up. We don't care. Say whatever you want about it. Just get the hell out of this building. Um. And they went through with it. And they, you know, historically, Republicans, they would never do this. They would never do it. And they would never do it because they would, you know, we'd get all the concern. Well, if we do this, then they'll do it to us. And this is, uh, we, we have to think about the norms. We have to defend the norms. But I think, I know, I think the Republicans in Tennessee realized that um, the norms are already out the window. And also, you're actually defending the norms here because it's, it, is, it is in defense of the norms and basic a sense of decorum to kick people out when they lead mobs in with bullhorns. But all that's out the window anyway. And there, the, the Democrats are already going to do everything they can to punish you and silence you. So that's already going to happen. The only question is whether this is going to be entirely one-sided. You know, you've got Democrats... Um, mourning the persecution of these Tennessee state legislatures in the, on this, the same week when the former president of the United States was arrested and arraigned on charges that don't exist. So they are currently in the process of trying to throw their top political rival in prison. And yet this is supposed to be a dark day in democracy. This is, this, is, this is one of the few um, bright days in our democratic system that I've seen quite some time, actually. All right, I wanted to read uh, this to you as well. Caitlyn Jenner slammed Nike for turning woke Thursday over its partnership with trans TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney seven years after her own, her quote, it's, I'm reading from the article, this is the language they're using, Seven years after her, his own collaboration as a trans woman with a sportswear line. Jenner, who transitioned in 2015, called out the athletic wear company after Mulvaney unveiled the brand deal in a series of Instagram posts Wednesday. 
where she modeled, she, he modeled Nike pants at a sports brawl. Alert the media, I'm entering my workout era. Okay, so Jenner, who was recently named a Fox News contributor, called the brand partnership an outrage. As someone that grew up in awe of what uh, Phil Knight did, it's a shame to see such an iconic American company go so woke. We could be uh, inclusive, but not at the expense of the, ma- the mass majority of people and have some decency while being inclusive. This is an outrage. Gender did not explain how Nike partnering with Mulvaney harmed the mass majority of people, but tweeted, stop trying to erase women in all caps. You know, I, I have to, as I've said before with this, you know, there were conservatives that were sharing these tweets from, uh, from Jenner and saying, amen, yes. Look, we have a trans person on our side. Jenner's position on this topic is totally incoherent, okay? He is the worst possible advocate that you could turn to. He's the worst voice that you could amplify on this. Like, what, what exactly is your complaint, Jenner? with Nike doing a a brand partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. What's your complaint? How is it going woke? The only complaint you could possibly have is that Dylan Mulvaney is not actually a woman, and they're celebrating him as if he is, and they're also having him model women's clothing when he's not actually a woman. That's the complaint. That's the only reason to oppose it. There's no other reason. If Dylan Mulvaney was a man who identified as a man... I mean, then it'd be a little bit strange that they're Nike sponsoring some random TikTok influencer. But it, it, w- it would not be an outrage. It wouldn't be erasing women. So the only reason to oppose it is that he's not actually a woman. And yet, that's not Jenner's position. Jenner believes that trans women are women. Jenner, be- Jenner says that he's a woman. So it, it doesn't make any sense. There's a, it, 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 it appears that Caitlyn Jenner's position is that um, his womanhood is valid because he says it is. But other people, if, if they declare themselves women, it, that's not valid. No, there's, there's only two ways of looking at this. Either biology determines who's a woman or who isn't, or it's subjective and it's up to each individual. If Caitlyn Jenner sees himself as a woman and is declaring that he's a woman, well, then then he is taking the latter option here. He's saying that it's subjective, which means that you can't can't arbitrarily say that it doesn't uh, apply to to Dylan Mulvaney. It's totally incoherent. And also, look, Jenner, there's there's arguably no other uh, trans-identified person alive today who has done more to normalize and mainstream transgenderism. I don't think there's anyone else you can point to who's done as much as Jenner has done. Because most of the rest of these, Dylan Mulvaney, most of the rest of the, uh, the, the prominent trans-identified people and influencers you can name, you know, they came along later. They, they jumped on a bandwagon that was already well on its way. But how soon we forget, back in whatever, whenever it was, 2015... Uh, Jenner, Bruce Jenner, comes out as Caitlyn, declares himself a woman, is awarded Woman of the Year, and uh, that was uh, it was it was the first time that had been seen on a, on such a mainstream visible level. It wasn't the beginning of the tr- the uh, of trans ideology of gender ideology, but that is, that is when it kind of burst into the mainstream. Um. 
Jenner has never repudiated that, as far as I'm aware. He's never repudiated for that. He's never apologized for that. He's never come out and said, you know what? I shouldn't have been awarded woman of the year. I'm not actually a woman. That shouldn't have happened. He's never done that. He still wants to be seen as a woman, but he's going to decide arbitrarily which other trans-identified people get to be in the club. And then you have these dumb conservatives who, uh, who, who, who think that, that, you know, because he identifies as trans, that automatically makes him, um, you know, a, a powerful advocate. You see, we have a trans person on our side. We're not transphobes. You're the real transphobes. I still think that method, that that strategy works. It doesn't. Um, all right. Daily Wire report. The Arctic Institute issued a call for researchers to submit papers for a series examining heteronormativity in the far northern portion of the planet. The nonprofit think tank, which exists to develop economic, military, and health security policy for the Arctic, asserted that queerness and indigenous identities in the region have often been diminished. Analysts are therefore assembling a series of papers called Queering the Arctic to examine the role of queerness among native populations. The group said in a press release, how are queer people in the Arctic challenging well-established systems of heteronormativity? To what extent are they suffering from societal, cultural, or structural shortcomings? And how are they using their resources to overcome them? With these pointed questions, we want to challenge deficiency-oriented, ethnocentric, and neoliberal approaches and invite authors to create a space to identify hope spots from indigenous and queer feminist perspectives, may it be artistic, academic, analytical, or narrative. Now, we know that the left, they are um, on this uh, cultural, uh, colonialist, you know, mission to paint the entire globe in rainbow colors, to bring the, the good news of the, the gospel of wokeness and of LGBT idolatry, to, to bring it to every corner of the earth, and now they want to bring it all the way up to the Arctic. Because as we've seen on the left, nothing is allowed to just be what it is. Nothing is allowed to exist for its own sake. Um, everything must be brought into conformity under the leftist ideological umbrella. Everything, no matter what it is, everything's primary use, primary purpose should be the spreading of leftism. All right, another story here, Daily Wire. The Mandalorian recently surprised fans with two cameo guest appearances, Lizzo and Jack Black. The two actors were featured in Wednesday's episode, Chapter 22, Guns for Hire. And so Lizzo and Jack Black appeared this, uh, on the Disney Star Wars show. The clip of this um, episode, and this scene with Lizzo, went viral. Not for the reasons that Disney probably hoped, but let's, let's just watch a little bit of this. Despicable. If that isn't the quarter calling the stifling slimy. I beg your pardon. This planet is unrecognizable since he arrived. I had a feeling you hated me. I'm disappointed in you, Commissioner. You served my family well. But Captain Bombardier is the love of my life, and I know his heart is true. Sure, he's made some mistakes in the past, but who here among us has not? Is there no room for a little bit of forgiveness in a galaxy so vast? I am sorry to have disappointed you, my lady. Perhaps someday 
I can earn such forgiveness from your grace. Perhaps. As for now, you must live in exile on the moon of Paraquat. All right. And as for you, who's watching Lady this show? Cre who's watching this? I, I saw this clip and I real I had to double check because I honestly first thought it was a skit. That was like an SNL skit or something. And uh, and then I, I verified. No, that's that's actually the show. Like that's the show. It's what that's what Disney is putting out. It, it has this cinematic quality of of a furniture store commercial. Like the guy who made the ad for uh, Bill's Mattress Warehouse down the street from your house is a more skilled director and cinematographer than whoever's responsible for this utter dreck. And the actors in mattress commercials and car dealership commercials are better also than what you just saw there. But this, this is what we get, okay? This is what we get for mindlessly handing our money over to these studios who have been milking the same franchises for decades and just putting the same thing out over and over and over again. They aren't even trying anymore. They don't care. They, they hate, we already know that these studios hate you. They also, they don't respect your intelligence. They think you're an idiot and will gobble up whatever they spew out. They know you're going to watch anyway because, uh, because of the brand. That's all it is. And at this point, instead of watching the next Star Wars movie or show, you might as well sit for two hours in your living room staring at the Star Wars logo on your screen. You know, there's no point in watching the actual, because there's no story anymore. It, it, that doesn't matter. All of that is secondary. It, it's simply about the brand. You're watching a brand. And when you watch these shows and these films now, you're basking in the light and glory of a brand. And so you might as well, that was, there's no reason to just, that's what, the, that's what Disney should do. The next Star Wars movie should be, Two and a half hours of the Star Wars logo on the screen. Or maybe some guy, or maybe Lizzo, sitting on screen and just saying Star Wars over and over again. As a story, okay, as a, and I've been trying to tell you this forever. As a story, Star Wars is over. As a brand, it's not. Because there are still these, these drones who will show up and no matter what. But as a story, it's over. There's nothing left. Okay, it, it's it. We got every every ounce of story that could be milked out of this premise. It's gone now. All right, the udder is is dry. It's all been milked. This cow is spent a long time ago. And of course, you know, people will say, "Well, the Star Wars, it's the Star Wars universe. There's so many other stories we could tell in the Star Wars universe." Well, as I am. Always saying, no, the Star, the Star Wars universe is over. But the actual universe? Yeah, the actual universe is limitless. There are a lot of stories you could tell in the universe. It doesn't have to be in the Star Wars universe. But don't let that stop you. Uh, these companies, they hate you. They have no respect for you. They're not even trying to make quality content. But go ahead and keep consuming it, I guess. Why not? Um. And finally, major headline here, Babylon B. Matt Walsh jumps out of the bushes at Easter egg hunt to inform the kids that bunnies laying eggs is biologically impossible. Now, I appreciated this story. This is like, I think it's the fifth or sixth time I've been uh, mocked ruthlessly by Babylon B. And uh, which I, which hurts my feelings deeply, of course, but I also appreciate it. 
But then my, my second question was, who tells their kids that the Easter bunny lays the eggs? Is that what people are being told? I never, now, yeah, this is, this is, I didn't know, here's the thing, I didn't know that this was the kind of uh, falsehood I needed to correct. So that's the only thing that this story gets wrong, is that I wouldn't be going up to kids and say, well, you know, Easter bunny doesn't lay, doesn't lay eggs, because I never knew that, really, that's what you're telling? Is that what parents are telling kids? That the Easter bunny actually lays the eggs like a chicken? The Easter bunny thing has always been, you know, as you know, I'm a Santa Claus apologist. You know, I, 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 I'm fully on board with the Santa Claus thing. Easter bunny's always been a little too weird, a little too disturbing. Even when I was a kid, I, I always thought that. I was kind of like, my parents told me about this big giant bunny that shows up and, you know, leaves a basket somewhere, comes into the house and leaves... And I, I always had so many questions about this thing. Where does this thing come from? We don't have the same with 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 uh, Santa Claus. There's this whole whole mythology around. It. We don't have that with Easter Bunny. So I've always thought it was kind of strange. I didn't know that the kids were also being told that this mutant uh, sorcerer East Bunny lays eggs. I always thought, when I was a kid, I always thought that the Easter Bunny he has the eggs and it's like in a basket and he hides them places. This story is getting even more disturbing than I thought. Let's get to our comment section. Scott says, would you rather only drink Bud Light or Miller Light for the rest of your life? That's a, it's an impossible choice. They're exactly the same beverage. I don't think that there's any. I mean, there, there are some people who try to uh, claim that there's a, a difference. They, they pretend that their palate is discerning enough to tell the difference between Bud Light and Miller Light. It's all, it's all exactly the same. It's all, it's all the same uh, slop. Mark Douglas says, we need a wokeness index that ranks corporations on how much woke ideology they push. Then consumers can make their choices. That'd be a nice resource to have. But you have, you know, the, the thing is you need some force behind it. You know, you need some like enforcement mechanisms. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. So the, on the left, they have organizations like the Human Rights Campaign and others that have their own index, their corporate equality index, um, to, dis, to distinguish which corporations are being the most faithful to uh, leftist orth, orthodoxy. But then there's also, there, it's, it, there's some bite to it. Like they're going to try to punish you and they're very well-funded, and they're going to try to punish these corporations who um, fall short. The problem that we have, like we talked about yesterday on the right, is that we can, you know, we can spend all day long talking about, well, this company's woke, that company's woke, but we don't give them any reason to care, right? You have to give the companies, the corporations, some reason to care about the fact that you're calling them woke and that you're condemning them. There has to be some, you know, it can't just be bark. There has to be some bite to it. Uh, another one says, I live in a rural remote area where Bush and Bud are king. My husband does two multiple 30 packs per week, and he's pretty average around here. He's done, not with beer, but with um, AB and Jack. We'll make our own if we have to. Two 30 packs? That's like, that like eight beers a day? 
That's how much sparkling water I drink in a day. I'd probably go through about eight, which is maybe the least manly thing I've ever said. But I think there are a lot, you know, right. And I, I've heard this a lot. I don't know about two thirty packs a week thing, but I've heard this from a lot of people that, um, you know, my dad, all he does is drink uh, Bud Light and Budweiser. And, and, and yes, so the if we decided to make a concerted effort to single out, if we said, okay, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, we're going to single them out. A lot of woke companies, but this is the one that we're focusing on. And if we decided to do that, we could really inflict some financial damage. Because as much as we joke about the fact that, you know, only, only boomers and uh, only like right-wing boomers and frat boys drink Bud Light. It's, it's basically true. It's, that's, that's, for the most part, the case. So if we can mobilize people in those groups, particularly the right-wing boomers, um, then it would really, it would, it would do some real damage. And at least it would put the company in a position where they've really got a choice to make. So right now, there's no choice at all. I say, who, who, who do I want to piss off? Do I want to piss off the left or the right? For corporate America, it's I'll piss off the right all day because nothing's going to happen. Now, if they know there's going to actually be a consequence to it, then uh, now, they've, now they really have a choice to make. Striving to be Galahad says, I'm a fellow traveler with Matt on so many issues, but we part radically on the subject of animals and e- uh, ecology. The meaning of dominion in scripture, known to every theologian and saint for centuries, is stewardship, not domination. Um, it is right and good to care for nature and especially for animals. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't think I said anything that disagrees with that. Uh, but we do have stewardship is, is fine. But we are the superior species on the planet. Um, and so we can make use of the inferior species, which should not be a controversial statement. This is, this is how the humans, this is how we exist. If we didn't do that, if we didn't do that at all, we have no right to put ourselves above you know, animal life. We have no right to do that. We have no right to utilize them in any way. Then to begin with, billions of people starve in like a week. Because there are billions, if you, if you take, if you take uh, meat out of it, yeah, it might be, if you're, if you're very, if, you're, if you live in a well-off, prosperous, relatively prosperous civilization in the Western world, um, you, can, you can get away with the vegan lifestyle. You know, you can, you can but that is, that is a product of privilege. Many parts of the world, that's, that does, it's impossible. You know, when we went to Africa, we went to Kenya with the Maasai tribe. They they live, they have cattle, you know, they have cows and they have goats. And there's not a lot of agriculture. Um, there's there's not a lot of farming that goes on. They have cows and goats and that's how they live. And if, if not for that, they'd all die. Like right away. So it's clear based on that alone that we have, we're the superior species on the planet. We have the right to make use of these animals while at the same time respecting God's creation. It's, it's no different than uh, we have every right to cut down trees, like all the beautiful trees you can see outside of my uh, the, the studio windows. We have right to cut down trees, build a house. But it doesn't mean that we should be gratuitous or wasteful about it. It's like cutting down trees for no reason. We should try to preserve nature as well. So there's a balance there. But uh, that's what it is, a balance. 
We're coming up on uh, almost one year since I released the groundbreaking documentary, What is a Woman? Exposing Radical Gender Ideology for What It's Worth. And you'd think that this would be ample enough time for people to come up with an actual answer to the question, but you'd be wrong. As I discovered at the Young America Foundation Q&A in New Mexico just two nights ago, their answers are still somehow as confusing and nonsensical as they ever were. After my speech, multiple critics of mine and critics of reality as well stepped up to the mic in an attempt to challenge my position. They cited the usual gender as a social construct thing and other long-winded nonsense. When talking to one self-identified trans woman, uh, a biological male, that is, I asked a simple, very predictable question. You'd think that I have an answer for by now. Uh, what is a woman? And, and here's what the person said. A woman is someone who is included and respected and seen and participates in society recognized by other women. That's the answer, which is just a long way of saying a woman is someone who identifies as a woman. Although this answer is even worse because actually not only are you, uh, is it circular, but you're also relying on um, the, the affirmation of, of other people. It's an external definition, um, which is exactly what they usually say they don't want to do, right? Well, if you haven't yet seen What is a Woman, or if you're on the left and still somehow find yourself confused about basic biology, I have some good news for you. You can now get 30% off your Daily Wire Plus membership when you use the code uh, WOMAN at checkout. If you've already seen the film, thank you. If you haven't or you know someone who hasn't, tell them to watch it. We need to start recruiting more people back to the side of truth and basic reality. To watch What is a Woman, join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe and use the code uh, WOMAN at checkout to save 30% off your membership. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, I have the exciting opportunity to jump back up onto one of my favorite soapboxes uh, as a new study published this week finds that ADHD is rising rapidly in our country, especially among women. The New York Post has this report. The number of people diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, is climbing steadily in the U.S., especially among women, a new study found. While cases have risen across all age groups, the spike has been most significant among women. The share of females between the ages of 23 and 49 years of age diagnosed with the disorder nearly doubled from 2020 to 2022. Since 2010, the rates of ADHD have tripled overall, the study found, but the share of patients taking prescribed medications for the disorder has remained consistent. Males have historically been more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD, but the study finds uh, findings indicate that the gender gap has been closing over the past 12 years. Needless to say, this is an incredible milestone in the fight for social justice. Women have smashed through yet another uh, glass ceiling. It's about time, if you ask me. Alleged mental illnesses should be shared and enjoyed equitably and fairly by both sexes. I believe that. That's what's best for society. And, and also, most importantly, it's what's best for big pharma. You know, the drug companies, they, they should have the right to monetize the mental states of both men and women in equal measure, I say. The post continues. Previous studies have shown that females with ADHD tend to have very different symptoms than males, which could prevent them from getting evaluated and diagnosed. Data for ADHD tends to skew heavily towards school-age males. Dr. Joseph Galasso, a psychologist at Baker Street Behavioral Health in New Jersey, told Fox News Digital in a phone interview, he was not involved in the new study. Girls tend to fly under the radar as their symptoms tend to be internalized. Boys tend to be more active with overt behaviors that lead to early diagnoses. On the other hand, he said, girls tend to fly under the radar as their symptoms tend to be internalized. Instead of hyperactivity, ADHD can look more like depression or anxiety in females, he added. More than 8 million American adults are thought to have ADHD, but some studies have shown that up to 80% of them are unaware that they have the disorder per WebMD. Well, that's no good. 80% of people with ADHD don't know they have it. Think of all the people who are suffering in silence because of that. And by that, I mean all of the pharmaceutical executives who have been deprived of the opportunity to sell drugs to that large portion of the potential market. Really must be hard for them. 
But it's not just adults who are seeing a rise in ADHD, obviously. The the disorder, quote-unquote, is, of course, especially prevalent among children. In the 1980s, back when ADHD, or ADD at the time, was uh, first added to the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, was added in, I think, 1980. And during that decade, around 1 in 20 children were diagnosed. Today, that number is 1 in 9 and rising all the time. That means that more than 10% of all children in the country have been labeled with this alleged disorder. And the label's being stuck on kids at earlier and earlier ages. You know, we're now told that kids as young as three years old can be diagnosed ADHD. A decade ago, the American Academy of Pediatrics changed the medical guidelines to now recommend psychiatric drugs for kids starting at four, potentially, if their symptoms are, quote, debilitating. A third of kids with ADHD are diagnosed before the age of six. So kindergartners are being diagnosed and drugged. Teenagers are being diagnosed and drugged. Adults are being diagnosed and drugged. This epidemic has been sweeping the nation for decades and has only gotten exponentially worse as time goes on. More and more people are labeled mentally ill and put on methamphetamines. We increasingly become a nation of drug addicts. The pharmaceutical companies rake in billions and billions of dollars. Yet, we rarely stop to talk about any of this, really, um, or or even ask the most basic questions about it. The psychiatric industry and the pharmaceutical industry have conspired to label entire categories of human behavior and human thought disordered. And and they've assured us that the only way to fix the problem is through highly potent and addictive psychotropic drugs. Meanwhile, most of us who who profess to have no faith in the pharmaceutical industry, we correctly observe that it's a a multi-billion dollar behemoth with a vested financial interest in keeping us in this drugged out stupor. We know from our experience with COVID that these people will lie directly to our faces just to get us to put their product into our bodies. We realize all of that. And yet most of us still refuse to fundamentally question the, most, the, the, the basic premise behind concepts like ADHD and other alleged mental illnesses. So we might agree that it's overdiagnosed, but we're not willing to question the, the, the logic underlying the diagnosis. In fact, many people, again, many of whom otherwise have no faith in big pharma or claim that they don't, will lash out angrily at those of us who do question Big Pharma's fundamental claims about ADHD and similar alleged mental illnesses. We are, in other words, a culture with no faith in Big Pharma, and yet also with unquestioned faith in Big Pharma. We can't make up our minds, and Big Pharma would say that our ambivalence on the topic is yet another symptom of ADHD. Fortunately, they have a a drug for that. Now, let uh, let me offer, if I could, an an alternative theory. Could it be that the ADHD diagnosis is skyrocketing with no signs of slowing down because the diagnosis was designed to be both incredibly vague and also universally applicable? Now, to show you what I mean, here's a partial list of symptoms, symptoms, quote, unquote, of ADHD in children between the ages of 3 and 12. This is described by the, uh, the Mayo Clinic. This is how they list it. Partial list. Fail to to pay close attention to details or make careless mistakes in schoolwork. Have trouble staying focused in tasks or play. Appear not to listen even when spoken to directly. Be easily distracted. Fidget with or tap his or her hands or feet or squirm in the seat. Be on the go in constant motion. Talk too much. Have difficulty waiting for his or her turn. Interrupt or intrude on others' conversations, games, or activities. So, you know, what exactly is the problem with these symptoms? 
well, not much other than the fact that they described literally every child who's ever lived on the planet. I have never in my life met a child who didn't fall into all or most of those categories. Okay. In fact, I'd be much more concerned about a child who doesn't exhibit these traits than a child who does. Of course, the ADHD apologist will assure you that although the symptoms certainly do sound like a list of the most common childhood behaviors and personality traits, it's actually much more nuanced because they'll point out that there are other diagnostic criteria. For example, a child is only diagnosed with ADHD if he exhibits these traits in more than one situation. So not just at school, but at home and at school. So if he acts like a normal child in two places, well, I mean, that's a, you know, then clearly is ADHD. Also, if the symptoms are persistent. So they have to, the symptoms have to be observed for six months or more to warrant an official diagnosis. Okay? So if your child is, is fidgety and talks a lot for more than six months, ADHD. See, these nuances, quote unquote, do not at all change the fact that the symptoms of ADHD are merely descriptions of normal childhood characteristics. It is normal. And as you know, I say this as somebody with six kids. It is normal for a child to exhibit all of these behaviors and to exhibit them for years, let alone six months. It is normal for a child to be this way at home, to be this way at school, to be this way when you try to take them out to a restaurant, to be this way everywhere. It may not be convenient for parents or teachers. It may be a nuisance. It may be stressful to deal with sometimes. That doesn't make it a disease. And, and this is what the ADHD diagnosis is. It's, it's our way of talking about and describing a set of behaviors and character traits that we find burdensome or inconvenient. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's just our way of categorizing this set of behaviors that, are, that get in the way of other things we're trying to do. Um, and you notice... For all the people that say, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a valid medical diagnosis, just like having cancer or anything, you know, it's, it's just like any other medical condition. Oh, yeah, well, what other medical condition, what, other, what, what like valid physical medical condition is diagnosed this way? What other medical condition do they diagnose by looking at your behavior exclusively and then also trying to determine whether or not that behavior causes problems in certain environments? You know, if you are concerned that your child, um, you know, has diabetes, they're, they're not going to ask you uh, uh, questions about whether it causes problems in, in, in home, at home or in school. They're going to run physical tests to see if they can find it. Oh, but you can find ADHD in brain scans, they say. Well, that's not true. And also, they don't do brain scans. Okay, if it was if it was just well, there's an ADHD brain and a regular brain. That's like well, well why don't they, they do brain scans to diagnose ADHD? Why don't they do that? What about ADHD in adults? The Mayo Clinic lists these symptoms: impulsiveness, disorganization, and problems prioritizing, poor time management skills, problems focusing on a task, trouble multitasking, excessive activity or restlessness, poor planning, low frustration tolerance, frequent mood swings, problems following through and completing tasks, hot temper, trouble coping with stress. Um, those are the those are the symptoms, and these are all indeed difficult emotions and traits. I know from experience, but they are also very human and very normal. In fact, once again, it'd be a much greater concern if there was an adult who did not struggle, at least to some degree, with all of these things. A person who never loses his temper or becomes disorganized—that's not a person; that's a robot. 
Now, the pharmaceutical companies, they'll acknowledge this point, you know, that all of these symptoms are actually normal, but they'll declare that past a certain point, beyond a certain threshold, they become abnormal and diseased. Well, who decides where that point is? Who determines the the threshold? When they say, oh yeah, everybody acts this way, but if you act this way too much, well, then it's a disease. Too much? Who says too much? But who decides that? It's just like we saw a a symptom for kids is talks too much. Who the hell, where is the medical criteria for too much talking? It sounds pretty subjective to me. By my standards, 95% of the planet talks too much. Oh, but I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, right? You have to get that, you have to get that, uh, that, you know, you have, to, you have to go to medical school so that you can find out how much talking people should do. What? Who gets to draw the line declaring exactly how stressed out, how disorganized, how anxious, how distracted human beings are supposed to be? Well, it just so happens, the people selling the drugs, they get to make that decision. The people prescribing the drugs, they get to make the decision. These are arbitrary lines drawn by the very people with a massive financial incentive to make sure that as many people as possible are over the line. Now, am I denying that lots of people in our culture today are overly distracted? No, not at all. I'm simply calling to question the idea that distraction is a medical condition. I especially call that into question given that there is another extremely obvious explanation. Why are people so distracted these days? Maybe it's because we live in a society filled with distraction. We are surrounded all the time with screens and flashing lights and noise. We carry little distraction machines in our pockets. We have conditioned ourselves to crave constant stimulation. Children are plopped in front of glowing screens, you know, from their first day on this earth so that they'll be less of a hassle to parents who also want to spend more time on their screens. Why are people constantly distracted? I mean, is that even a A question? Is that a serious question? How could anyone look at our society, look at the way that we choose to live our lives, and come away with the conclusion that our attention spans are dwindling because of a mysterious mental illness epidemic? There is a much more obvious explanation. Okay. And you are staring at it right now. And that is why ADHD, as a medical diagnosis anyway, is once again today canceled. That'll do it for this portion of the show as we move over to the members block. Hope to see you there. And if you want to join us, you can become a member and use code Walsh to check out for two months free on all your new plans. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you on Monday. Have a great, happy, blessed Easter. Godspeed.